Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are very chic, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird? So, Jonah, I was thinking about how we both went to overnight camp growing up, and I feel like you and I both have some kind of artifacts from that time. We do, yeah. In celebration of today's guest, we dug out some letters that we wrote our parents from overnight camp when we were kids. So I thought we could both read them really. Yeah. They're, they're short. Kids don't write long letters. And give like your approximate age, maybe, that you were. Well, it says on here the date this was mailed. It says Whoa. this letter was mailed August 4th, 1993. I wrote that on there. So 93. I'm about 14. You're at North Star Camp for Boys in Wisconsin. I'm at an all-boys camp in Hayward, Wisconsin, for eight weeks. That was the summer that kind of broke you in terms of overnight Never camp went back to camp too again. too long. Way too long. Eight weeks was too long and you never went back. Okay. Dear mom and dad, hi, how are you? Camp is good. Guess what? Yesterday was the awesomest day of my life. Me and my five cabin mates went to Dave's gun shop. We went skeet shooting. I went six for 20 and guess what? I used a 12 gauge shotgun, two exclamation points. 
which is like, this is insane that, that they're taking 13-year-old <laughs> yeah. kids to shoot 12-gauge shotguns. We also saw Jurassic Park. It was pretty good. It gets a 7.825 on my scale. Thanks for sending up the package with all the magazines and blank tapes. Oops, I forgot you didn't send up a package. Just kidding. Okay. Anyways, my list for when I got home is A&W, cream soda, vanilla root beer, soup, chacos, and four awesome sugar foods. For my birthday, I want Mortal Kombat and two new Genesis controllers and maybe something. Your birthday's not till the end of September. (laughs) Gotta go. I'll write later. Love, Jonah. Okay. So basically just list of things that you want when you get home. Basically, I shot some guns and these are some things I want. And then, oh, you didn't send me this stuff. Yeah. Kind of nagging mom and dad for not sending you stuff. Exactly. Okay. Now I'm going to read mine, which is from July 4th. I dated mine, 1993. This is from this camp called Birch Trail Camp that I went to in Wisconsin for one summer, which was the sister camp to the camp that Jonah went to. Dear mom and dad, happy 4th, probably the 9th by now of July. North Star, Jonah's camp, came to Birch Trail today. Jonah and I talked a little, but he was embarrassed to talk to me. Well, I understand. You know, he's at that age now. (laughs) We decorated cakes today and had frosting fights and stuff. Parentheses. The cakes were for North Star. I think Jonah is still here, actually. Over. But I have to go to bed because I'm too young to go to their little dance. When I said bye to him about a half hour slash 45 minutes ago, he was with a co-ed group. So he was like, what do you want in his whiny voice? Well, see you later. Love you. Love the whole family. Love, Vanessa. So I guess that's about Jonah kind of ignoring me when we were... Whiny voice. Yeah, in his whiny voice. And I also said he's at that age, even though you're two years older than me. And also, I just want to point out that I saw all of these camp letters, which I have several. I would always sign off, love you, love the whole family, which I think was an OCD thing, because I was worried that if I didn't say I love the whole family, then something bad would happen to one of them. I think I might be one of the few people who has slightly kind of like actually outgrown a lot of my OCD. That's great. And I had Garfield stationery also, which is pretty cool. Cool. And mine has kind of scary fish on it. Nice. Cartoon fish. Well, today's guest is not only a friend, he's a highly in-demand director as well as a comedian, actor, writer, producer. You may have seen him first on The State. He's a co-creator and star of Wet Hot American Summer franchise and such films as a big sick. Hello, my name is Doris. The Odds of Tammy Faye. And Vanessa's working with him now as a director and producer of her Showtime show that I haven't really seen yet, but I'm sure it's great. Please welcome Michael Showalter. Woo! Woo-hoo, yeah! <laughs> yes! Woo-hoo! Now, Showalter, we thought we would talk about our camp letter stories yeah. because of the Wet Hot American Summer franchise, which, you know, is an incredible project of yours. Franchise. What a franchise. <laughs> it is yeah. a franchise. That's how it was listed on Wikipedia as a franchise. <laughs> I love that. It's a movie. It's a show. It's a bunch of shows. Yes. Yes. Probably t-shirts you can get. Yeah. T-shirts. I think you can get calendars or something like something like that. Did you go to overnight camp? Oh, yeah. What camp did you go to? I went to, I believe my first sleepaway camp was called Lane Robbins. Um, And then I went to, I think maybe that same summer, I went to a YMCA camp called Mason Camp Mason. And then I went to a camp called Camp Westmont. Okay. Which was like a sports camp to the extent that, I mean, it wasn't really a sports camp, but that sort of, it was sports focused. And then I went to a camp called Camp Mohawk and that was my like wet hot experience. Yeah. And that was the camp that I stayed at was Camp Mohawk. All those other camps were like one and done. 
I had a similar thing where I went to Camp Wise, I went to this Camp Birch Trail, and then I went to Camp Firebird. And that was the one that was like my wet hot. Exactly. Yeah. That made me relate to your movies and yes, franchise. Yes, yes, indeed. Where was Mohawk? Mohawk was in the Berkshires. Okay. Right outside of Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Wow. That is so close to where I live. That's like a half hour from Yeah. Wild. So you know like Mount Greylock? Oh yeah. Big time. And uh, like Jay Peak. Jiminy Peak. Yeah. Jiminy Peak. Because they also had a ski camp. Yeah. And I went to ski camp. In fact, I wanted to do a, one of the like seasons of Wet Hot I was thinking could be ski camp. Oh my gosh, that would, that would be, be incredible. incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never been there. We drive past it all the time though. Yeah, and like you go to Jacob's Pillow and you go to a Red Sox totally. game. and You got Tanglewood. Yeah, you got Tanglewood. This is when Rocky Horror was a big deal. And so I, I think maybe because when I was in middle school, I started going to like college preparatory camp things. Uh-huh. So I went to this thing called Wellesley Exploration, which is like you're in eighth grade and you stay in dorms. And you take fun classes like I took a cartooning class and and like Alfred Hitchcock movie class, that kind of thing. Like you take more college course type yeah. stuff. And then uh, later after that, I went to Andover Summer School, which was like psychology and like serious academic stuff. But you'd go into Boston and like go see Rocky Horror. Yeah. Or you'd go to a Red Sox game. Yeah. You know, or you'd go to the co-op the Harvard co-op and buy a sweatshirt. Yeah, right. It was fun. Those were fun, fun times. While we're talking about geography, I was curious about your connection to Cleveland. Obviously, me and Vanessa are from Cleveland. I used to see Stella do a lot of shows at like the Grog right. Shop or the Agora. I know, right. you know. Well, David Wayne is from Cleveland. David right. Wayne, yeah. Right. That's the connection. And did you know the other connection is that Craig Wedren's sure. mom worked with my mom at the JCC. Well, I didn't know that. Craig Wedren's aunt, who David Wayne calls Aunt Carol, worked with our mom at the JCC. And of course, Molly Shannon is yes, from Cleveland. Yes, and Molly Shannon is from Cleveland. And Catherine Hahn is from Cleveland. Like, there's right. some amazing talent coming out of Cleveland. Yeah. What's your relationship like with Cleveland? You mean like, what do I think of it? Yeah, like, you spend a lot of time there. What do you think of it? Meh, uh, I, people who are from Cleveland really love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. That's how I feel. Well, I don't want to burn any. There's this like intense pride about it that is sort of like (laughs) me thinks he doth protest too much. It's like like, there's something dubious about how proud people from Cleveland are about Cleveland. It's like, okay, (laughs) all right, sure. Well, especially everyone I know who still lives there, which I say still lives there, like, you know, it's a great place to live. But I just every time I talk to someone who lives there, they're like, they're doing such amazing stuff to downtown. Uh uh, And like everyone says that. And I'm always like, downtown looks the same to me. But I guess they're doing amazing stuff down there. Yeah. I'm like, okay, there's a new restaurant. Also, it doesn't even make sense that any city would like the downtown would get like revamped as often as I hear it in Cleveland. <laughs> like it's just not right. logical. Yeah. So I guess that's it. I sort of feel like the sort of like Cleveland is amazing thing is weird. Yeah. Yeah. That's my take on Cleveland. Like if you're Portland or Seattle, I get it. Right. Right. I get it because there's like a movement. There's like cultural movements coming out of those cities. Yeah. Or like Brooklyn, there's like cultural movement coming out of Brooklyn. Cleveland is like, you know, there's like whatever the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And have you been there, by the way? Have you been to the Rock Hall? I've been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I have. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Very cool. I know. But I certainly have no problem with it. Why? What's your take, Jonah? I guess, you know, I haven't lived there since 2007 or something. 
I think it's cool. I mean, it's fine. I, I do agree with what you're saying. People really like from there, really like talking about it. I guess I didn't realize that wasn't a thing with other cities because that's where I'm from. So I'm kind of like right. that's a desensitized good point. to it. But I think that's a really interesting observation. I don't think there's other cities that are as like needing you to know how great their, their city <laughs> yeah. is. Right, right. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's like if you're Austin or Seattle or Portland and there really is something special about your city or a city like Boston or Philadelphia, where there's like all this history and all of this kind of like unique history to it. Or then you might have like an international type city like a like an L.A. or a Chicago or a New York or San Francisco, where it's like just the proof is in the pudding. These are international <laughs> right, cities. Right. And right. then it's like Cleveland is OK. Sure. It's what I don't like. What's the big deal? I don't get it. <laughs> like you don't you don't hear people from other cities in the same category as Cleveland being as like braggy about their cities. Right. It's good for us to hear that because we don't have the pers- it's kind of what Jonah said of like, because we're from Cleveland, we just assumed everyone is like that about their hometown. But it seems like that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> now. Can I ask you, just to go back to the camp thing a little, are there specific things from your time at camp that you feel like you put into your character coop from the Wet Hot American Summer franchise? Oh, everything, 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 everything. The whole, you know, I'm sure that David Wayne would have the same answer as to his camp experience. But to me, Wet Hot is my camp experience. That is my camp experience. So, you know, everything about it is referencing something that was true for me and my character and the other characters are all kind of amalgams of everything that ever happened to me in camp. Yeah. I remember watching the director commentary at some point many years ago, and you had talked about how you just slipped your feet into your shoes and didn't put them on fully. Oh, yeah. Because you felt like that was a thing that like you did at that age. Is that? Yeah. Stan Smith. (laughs) Yeah. My Stan Smith, which I still wear Stan Smith. I mean, not that that's like a big deal, but. (laughs) I was going to say, this reminded me of something that you told me that really blew my mind once about the state, which Jonah, I bet you don't know this, but my all time, I think you don't know the history of it. Favorite, the state sketch is Baloney Foot Mm. and Michael Black's shoes. Yeah. Do you remember that one, Jonah, where? So basically I play a character. A lot of my sketches on on actually speaking of our topic today, a lot of my sketches are sort of playing off of themes of high school coming of age movie. Okay. So this is a very interesting. So one of them is this character named Baloney Foot whose feet are bologna sandwiches. <laughs> so good. It's sort of like Karate Kid. He's the new kid in school or maybe he's not new. He's at school. No, that's a different one we did Hepcat. But anyway, he's sort of like this nice kid at school and his feet are actually literally gigantic bologna sandwiches on <laughs> rye bread. And all of the kids make fun of him like, "Hey, bologna foot." And he's on the soccer team. And he's on the soccer team and can't play soccer to save his <laughs> life. And the coach is like cussing out the other kids and he's like, "If you had half as much as hard as bologna foot, that kind of a thing. Like his fucking feet are made out of bologna sandwiches and he still tries really hard and did ever. <laughs> his girlfriend, this is one of my favorite lines from any sketch ever. She's like, my dad's like, you're, you want to date someone with bologna sandwiches for feet. But I'm like, dad, I love him. <laughs> so funny. And, you know, and he's like this really <laughs> sensitive kid and he's like, I've learned to love my bologna sandwich feet. You know, it's that kind of a thing. Like, you know what? I realized like I'm special, like, 
part of me used to be embarrassed that my feet were made out of bologna sandwiches, but now I realize it makes me special, you know? And he's like, would I eat my feet? Like if I was given the chance. Oh God. He's like, I don't think I would. I don't think I would. (laughs) Yeah. Oh God. But yeah, but Michael Black had these shoes, (laughs) these like brown loafers and they were like very worn in and sort of Carrie Kenny and I joked that they looked like bologna sandwiches. His shoes looked like bologna sandwiches. They were just these like dumpy leather shoes. And we said that they looked like bologna sandwiches. And then out of that bloomed bologna feet, the sketch. This would be a great segue to high school, but I just want to talk about myself really quickly and just say that kind of stuff I loved so much when I was watching it, just how weird it was and how like, I think the thing that I loved so much about so many of those sketches were like, you were playing stuff so real that was so absurd. And I went on, you know, you've probably, Jonah certainly has, but Showalter, you've probably heard me talk about my all-female sketch comedy and musical parody troupe, Bloomers, that I was in in college. Oh, of course, of course. Yes, yes, absolutely. At the University of Pennsylvania. Yes. And so much of the stuff that I wrote was so inspired by sketches like that, just the weirdness of them and just treating absurd stuff like it was real. And I was so influential on, I just truly like, I could talk about it forever. Well, we had this really big aha moment on the state. I don't remember at what point this kind of happened, but where we were like, if it makes us laugh, yeah, then that's, we sort of had this like aha moment of like, oh my God, like things that make us laugh are what make the best sketches. Yeah. It's not like we're trying to crack some algorithm of what other people are going to find funny. It was like, because in the beginning we were... I won't even say pressure, but like MTV was was wanting us to do sketches where we were impersonating famous people and yeah, and like spoofing whatever was in the culture at that time. And that wasn't coming that naturally to us. It was like we could do it and we were trying to do it, but it wasn't coming naturally to us. And then we started just making the like do you know actually doing sketches of of whatever it was we were goofing off around about and and realizing that like not only were those the funniest things but they were very easy to generate those ideas yeah. actually yeah can i ask you about another state sketch and i promise we'll move on from this but just to, <laughs> as a huge fan where did the doug sketches come from the doug sketches were Kind of based on my father. I mean, it is based on my father. Uh My parents are both college professors. My father isn't like some super cool guy or anything like that. But like the joke was sort of like I wasn't able to rebel against my parents because my parents were really cool Uh and had like lived through the 60s. And so like, yeah, there was no like, that's terrible if you do this. It was just sort of like, I got drunk last night and I threw up in a garbage (laughs) can. It's like, yeah, well, that's what you do when you're a kid. Right, right. And it was like, come on, get mad at me. Like, tell me, I'm, you know, like (laughs) I want some, I need some conflict here. Like I need to give me something to rebel against. And there just wasn't anything there. That's it. And then the catchphrase, I don't remember how the catchphrase came about or anything like that. He has that like thing in his lip, which is like a lot of kids in my high school dipped tobacco. Okay. Sure. That was like a big thing was like dipping tobacco. And so he had like a little dip in his mouth that made him like talk in a certain way. But like, I don't know what it was like for you either in bloomers or on SNL or any of, I know, didn't you do uh groundlings or improv Olympic? I did like, like IO, that? yeah. Uh, improv Olympic and the annoyance and stuff. Yeah. But like, we just wrote sketches all day long, all day long, every day for years. Yeah. I mean, just like 
just my job for all those years that I was doing the state was like, come to work and you write as many sketches as you can and you try to get as many of them like on the show. Yeah. And so you're just like constantly trying to churn out anything that you can think of. And yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, we'll be back with more Michael Showalter right after this break. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward, inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from ATT Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. ATT Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit ATT.com slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Michael, before we get to the topic, we've been talking about the state. I wanted to talk about, you know, I used to see you do a lot of club shows with Stella. And I remember my friend bought, like, you guys had produced your own DVD before the show had come out. Mm-hmm. And it was really, like, I feel like taken to the next level of stuff you could never show on TV. Right. How do you look back on those sketches and sort of that period of your career? Because it was, that was in a different way, like nothing I had ever seen before. For me, it was just like a comic evolution thing. It was just a, a deepening of what had started on the state And taking that even further to this idea of like, if we think it's funny, sort of like 
the silliness, get to that place where you're just like in a fever dream. Like you're, you're just like all the dumb things that you would say. That's what's in. Everything is fair game. You never say no. There's never like a, cause even though the state we were starting to kind of support the idea that the sketches could kind of be ridiculous and make no sense and all of that, there was still a lot of like, no, we're not doing that. There was still a lot of like rejection. Sure. Right. And Stella was much more of like, there's no rejecting any ideas. And so, you know, we would just come up with premises and like, it's like, if you think a joke was stupid, then your character could just say that. Yeah. We sort of were just in finding ways to just never to just feel very free. Yeah. And so a lot of Stella for me was about like creative freedom and a creative, uh, just a place where there was no bad idea. Literally, truly, there was no bad idea. And that was great. That was really great. I mean, I'm like, embarrassed now that some of that stuff exists. So just for people who don't know, Stella was this group that Michael Schulter was in with David Wayne and Michael Ian Black. And they did these. It was like more edgy, I would say, than the state. But anyways, I was just going to say they would release these videos. And I remember I've told you many times that my favorite one is the pizza one. Right. And your response is always the same, which is that hate that one. (laughs) You hate that one. Yes. (laughs) For a couple of reasons. Tell me if I'm correct. One is that everybody tells you that pizza is their favorite one that I don't mind if I loved that one I wouldn't you wouldn't care I wouldn't care I just don't like that one. it does happen to be everyone's favorite regardless. maybe yeah I don't know no maybe not maybe the wiffle but anyway so also that your daughters are going to see it one day you don't want your daughters. I mean to there's see so it. many ones worse than that though I mean, yeah. do you know the Santa Claus one? The Santa Claus one, I, I was thinking was, was what I was thinking. Do you know what happens in the Santa Claus one? I'm trying to remember. It's so X-rated. <laughs> Basically, Santa Claus's wife is a hermaphrodite in the sketch. Okay. So one of the things in Stella was that we used a lot of very realistic looking male genitalia. Okay. Okay. Does that ring a bell? Yeah. We had like several very <laughs> realistic looking fake male genitalia. There's a word for it. I don't want to say it. Okay. But it begins with D and ends with S. No, ends with O. Okay. Got it. Got it. When it ended with S, I didn't know. Because <laughs> there was there were a variety of them. <laughs> okay. Okay. And they were often in use. Okay. Is any of this ringing a bell? We thought it was so funny that like we kept showing it. <laughs> You just would constantly see (laughs) this thing. Like we did one where there's a fish, they go fishing and the fish has a huge penis. (laughs) Okay. Do you know that one? Did you see that one? I was so. They go fishing and they catch a fish with a huge, (laughs) that the fish has a huge penis, like a huge human looking penis. And we sewed it onto a fish. So like we had a amazing prop person who sewed this very realistic looking penis onto a fish. And it's so crazy. Yeah. The pizza one is your least favorite. It sounds like pizza. Yes, because I don't even want to say it. Okay. It's very weird. The things that I'm like squeamish about. Yeah. No, it's fine. It's fine. And then Stella got made into a show. And so then you ramped it down a little bit. Well, then it has a whole other then Stella. The TV show is like a whole other thing where it's like there's right. There's like another layer. I love the show. I mean, the funny thing about that, by the way, I had never, you didn't tell me that we were going to like do a retrospective on my career. <laughs> like, that was, Wait, I'm sorry. It's because we're such big fans. Like I, I couldn't help it. I probably would have said no if I'd known <laughs> that you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. 
The funny thing for me about Stella, the TV show, or it wasn't funny at the time, but in retrospect, I, I think it's kind of funny is that like, I really was like, finally, we've done something that everybody's going to get. Yeah. Finally, we've made a show for everybody. Like everyone's going to think this is funny. Everyone's going to love it. It's just like airplane. It's just like, you know, this is just like Wayne's world or something like, you know, the look of it is really good. And yeah, we had great people on it. We always had fun, like celebs come and be on it. And, and it was on Comedy Central and Comedy Central was at its peak. And and it is a very funny show. It really is a, a really funny show. The reviews were like, and this is after having already had the experience of Wet Hot and and the state also get the, these reviews like this is the weirdest, most out there, unfunny thing ever. Yeah. And then so for me, I'm like, ah, Stella, we got it. Stella, we finally yeah. got the thing that everyone's going to love. And it was like, this is the weirdest, most unaccessible, strangest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. That was hard. Yeah, I'm sure. Because I thought it was very funny and mainstream. Like, so there's some soul searching there because it wasn't like I knew that it was so weird and out there. Yeah. Like, I feel like Tim and Eric know how weird and out there their stuff is. Yeah. Right. I think people who love weird and out there stuff loved Stella because it was weird and out there. But I didn't know that it was weird and out there until people told me that it was weird and out there, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So most of my life has been in an attempt to like figure out how to not be so weird and out there, if, if you can believe that. Like, I actually uh, like just want to be like, do normal stuff that people actually like. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it's interesting just to get to your topic, what we were going to talk about today before we started fanning out on you. We have about 10 minutes. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Was John Hughes movies, which just to say, it sounds like what you were saying earlier, which is that like a lot of this work that you've done in your adult life has been very influenced by these coming of age John Hughes movies. And so is there a certain movie that like kind of stands out for you as like the thing that really affected you or influenced you or why is that the theme of your podcast (laughs) (laughs) is that how you do it when you talk about nostalgia stuff i feel like we don't have like a set formula yet which is why we just started fanning out on you and again i apologize it's not what you came here to do (laughs) i know i was like we're going to talk about john hughes and like and then it's like and then after stella you you were in uh how I Learned to Drive. What was that like? Which, yes, I was in How I Learned to Drive Whoa. with Mary Louise Parker and David Morse. <laughs> and it was won the Pulitzer. I think I'm joking. Look it up. Wow. No, believe you. I don't know. It, the John Hughes thing, it was just you guys said, like, think of stuff that you're nostalgic for. And I said, John Hughes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I was like, hmm, what am I nostalgic for? Well, I'm pretty sure, like, a bunch of stuff's already been taken. <laughs> You know, what am I going to say? Like MTV? Didn't you guys do one on MTV already? We've talked about MTV a We've decent amount. We've talked about MTV yeah. a little. Yeah, I yeah. mean like music videos. I was like, right. music. Vi- I'm nostalgic for music <laughs> videos and like yeah. answering machines. Remember that? <laughs> like, remember when you had answering machines? And then I was like, I guess I'm kind of nostalgic for John Hughes movies. Yeah, yeah. For that kind of movie where I think being a teenager in the 80s, Yeah. When I went to college and met all the state guys. Yeah. There was this fascinating realization that we were from all over, really pretty much all over, at least like half of the country. Todd Hollebeck was the farthest west. He was Wisconsin. So there was like, he was from Wisconsin and David is from Cleveland and Ben is from Tennessee and Tom is from Chicago and Mike Black and I are from New Jersey. Joe is from Florida. Kevin is from Cincinnati. 
Carrie grew up in Connecticut. Ken Marino grew up in Long Island. I'm sure I'm forgetting some people, but it was like we'd all had the same childhood separately. Wow. Yeah. I mean, with major differences. I mean, with huge, gigantic, significant differences. But in a lot of ways, we'd all had the same weird experience of like being kids that like, you know, and I saw you guys did one about blockbuster like video stores. Yeah. And I think that's the John Hughes thing, which was like you saw a movie that was about these kids that were in high school. And it was so much my experience. Yeah. The characters that was so true to my experience and everyone else felt the same way. Yeah. Like every kid felt the same way. Like that's my experience without Internet, without Facebook and Instagram and whatever else, other ways in which now we're all connected. Yeah. It was this beacon of like, oh my God, like, like it was like this like weird way in which you got to realize like we were all having this shared experience. Yeah. And there was something innocent about it in retrospect. Yeah. The kind of like clicks, the popular kids, the, yeah. the jocks, the dorks, the, you know, all of that click culture. And that was just very much my experience, like clicks and who's popular. And I'm sure that's still very much the case, but those movies were like very significant for me. What was it like the breakfast club obviously is like each person and buys a different click. Like what click were you in? By the time I got to high school, my high school sort of like, you could be really artistic and that was okay. Yeah. So like by the time I got to high school, like it was cool to be smart and it was cool to be weird and all of that. In middle school, there was a dominant popular crowd. Yeah. And they were like from the rich part of town. They literally like wore different clothes, looked different, acted different. Like they all had mopeds uh-huh. and like, because <laughs> in Princeton, I grew up in Princeton, there's like five elementary schools. And then they all converge in middle school. Okay. And each elementary school has a little bit of its own flavor. Yeah. I went to Littlebrook Elementary, which is what it sounds like. It was like just a bunch of like nobodies, <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> like just a bunch of little tadpoles. <laughs> and then there was like kind of a tough school called Community Park. And then there was Riverside, which was sort of like Littlebrook. And then there was a little more boho, but... And then there was Johnson Park, which was like in where all the big houses were. And just the Johnson Park kids were like gorgeous and had mopeds and like they just ruled the school. Yeah. Yeah. I was like being hit by a Mack truck when I saw it because it was like, what the fuck is this? Like all of a sudden there's just this like new order. Yeah. This like new world order. And like you had to like just like catch up to it really fast. And I was like, I related to Molly Ringwald because it was sort of like I was all caught up in it. Yeah. But no one knew who I was, but I knew who everyone else was. Yeah. So I was like, what's going on with this person? What's going on with that person? And they wouldn't have known me if I was standing right in front of them. Like, but I was all like, oh, did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was very into who was who and who was what, but no one knew who I was. That's really sweet. Well, you know, I think that like it's interesting because whatever work that you do now, no matter how weird it is or out there, whatever, quote unquote, it's always feels very relatable. And I think it's because like a lot of that stuff, I don't mean weird. I just mean like everything you do feels really like there's some human thing to it that like everybody can kind of relate to getting to work with you now. The other thing that I'm always so impressed by is like you can like visualize these like 
film tropes, like these very kind of John Hughesy. Like even the other day we were talking about one of our characters entrances and you were like, you could do it one way, which is like the realistic way you were like, or you could do it the way we're like, this happens, this happens. What are you talking about? Which part, which I'm talking about when Patricia enters and you were talking about like, you could do it the comedy way, which is like, there's lights on her, things slow down. It's such a quick thing in your mind. It's like you can pull from that, like John Hughesy. It's like so in you. It's a language. Yeah. Because I watched so many movies. I watched so many movies and I was very interested in film as a language. Like, what does it mean when you do it like this? What does it mean when you do it like that? Even now, it's like I'm always watching commercials or things and I'm like always sort of taking in the message that there's like an underlying message like that I always find so interesting and funny, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, the like meaning behind it. Yeah. So that's why it's its own language. Well, it really comes out in your work in a really great way. And look, we're coming to the end of this podcast. <laughs> no, we didn't. Well, we got to do part two. We got to do part oh my two. God. That would be incredible. I mean, we didn't even we didn't even get to the thing. We didn't do the. I know we really appreciate your time and we apologize for fanning out on you so hard. We just it's so tough. We didn't know it was going to happen. It's just we got this time with you and we. Well, we'll do it again. Yeah. Let's, we'll can do we do again. part two? Like all my favorite podcasts do like part two of our conversation with Michael Showalter. And then on part two, we you we talk about John Hughes and I want to take the quiz. Like I, I never got to take. The yeah, quiz. yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. We'll do the quiz. Totally. We'll do the know. quiz. We'll do. Why can't we do the quiz right now? We could do it. We could do it quickly. We could do it really quickly. Right after this commercial break. Right after this commercial break. <laughs> Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. And we're back. So now we're going to play a little game called Change.Dork. <laughs> Change.Dork? Otherwise known as let's make fun of people who don't know how to use Change.Org. And in this game, we'll bring up three nostalgic things that people are trying to bring back on Change.Org. And we'll each vote for our favorite. What's Change.Org? So Change.Org is a site that sort of you can make an online petition for kind of social change. Okay. If you want to, you know get some legislation passed, do something in your community. But a lot of people we found out use it just for very trivial things. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we try to find the most trivial thing. Okay. And then at the end, we vote on which one we would actually sign, which petition we would actually sign. Okay. So what 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 do I do? So you just consider each one. You'll consider each one. We'll give you three petitions. We'll explain a little about them. And then you pick one of these three you would support. Okay. Okay. The first one is bring back Philadelphia cheesecake snack bars, discontinued in 2004. Now, this is a petition that 40,008 people have signed. Wow. Kraft in Philadelphia discontinued their cheesecake snack bars some time again. This is what this person wrote. They were delicious dessert bars that made you feel like you died and went to I'm heaven. I'm not into cheesecake. You're not into it? Not into cheesecake. Okay. Okay, let's move on to I the like next che- one. I like cream cheese, but and I like putting cream cheese on a bagel, but I'm not into cheesecake. Into it in a cake. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. So bring back Philadelphia cheesecake snack bar seems like it's not even in the running. Not even the running. Okay, go ahead, Jonah. We'll see. Okay, let's see how you feel about this one. This petition is called a proper coffee machine in our office. Mm. <laughs> I mean, you're already speaking my language. Okay, great. <laughs> Anybody who knows me knows I take coffee very, 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 very seriously. Seriously. Okay. Well, 1,300 people have signed this. They want to get 1,500 signatures. They say it's more likely to get picked up by the local news. <laughs> There's, you know, a big thing that basically says, you know, dear hardworking men and women of our office, we have suffered long enough. Every single passing day, we are spiraling further and further down toward the demise of our coffee. We have to scatter our greatest minds across the city in order to get a proper coffee. This has to stop. We need to take Huge. a stand. I'm so on board with that. They talk about how coffee improves productivity up to 100%. Uh, 143%. Okay. So you okay. do you like this one? 100%. Bring back coffee for our office. Okay. Yep. Here's the last one. This is your last option. Bring back rolled gold honey mustard tiny twist pretzels. No. 7,000 people. <laughs> no? <laughs> I don't need fake flavored pretzel, mustard flavored pretzels. I'll put mustard on a pretzel. Okay. Fair enough. Okay, that one's out. Let me get more specific about the car. Are you a... Okay, but now I'm, now I'm, it's getting to where I'm being, I'm, my presence is being requested, but go. I want to hear this, Jonah, go. Last question. Coffee. Are you like espresso, straight coffee? No, Starbucks and Pete's. Starbucks and Pete's. Starbucks and Pete's. I mix them together. And medium roast, a medium roast? Major Dickinson's blend. And like, then okay. like I'll do like a breakfast blend or a morning blend and I'll blend them together. So yeah. I, my, I make my own blend of... Pete's Major Dickinson's blend, mm-hmm. not Dickinson, 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 Major Dickinson's <laughs> blend. Okay. And then I'll do like morning a breakfast blend or a the house blend. Amazing. A Pike Place of Starbucks. Not Pike's Place. It's the house blend. You mean the house blend of Pete's? No, the house blend of Starbucks. Starbucks. Okay. If you go to like Gelson's and buy Starbucks, they'll have house blend or you could buy Pike's Place or you could buy the morning blend and I'll do the morning blend. 
or the house. And then I'll mix that <laughs> with Major Dickinson. Dickinson, which you can also get at the grocery store. Yes, like. you can. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. Michael, thank you so much for coming by and giving us your time. We really appreciate it. Any, any time. Literally any time. We would love to do it again. Part two. We had so much fun. Thank you to everyone for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast and keep an eye out for next week's episode. How you get here if you enjoyed yourself. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.